0: You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to this week's edition, week six, as we continue to move through the Bible. I'm Mike Haynes, and joined by Pastor Darren, Pastor Drew, how hey are guys. you guys today? Good, hey everybody. Good to be no with Super you. Bowl hangover, everybody's ready to go on Valentine's Day?
1: Valentine's Day, I'm ready.
0: <laughs> All right, well, hey, picked a perfect day to talk about the sermon uh, yesterday. Drew loved the sermon I just I have so many questions for you. First of all, how in the world do you love Brussels sprouts now? And then whatever happened to Carrie? (laughs) <laughs> you know,
1: Carrie and I are still friends. <laughs> we're, we're, we're still friends. We go, we go way back. You know, I had to use Carrie's name. She was actually my first girlfriend. I, she was the, she, I should say, second girlfriend. Right. Uh, but in the first grade. Boy, you so, were quite the little oh, there man, Take, take me back to kindergarten. <laughs> first grade. Yeah. Did you get what? married? <laughs> you know, there was some playground nuptials going on. <laughs>
0: I, I just loved it. Go, everybody has every guy has that carry where you're right where you're you're playing ball you're doing things at recess and all of a sudden it's like you get shot with that cupid and we're like oh uh, those girls you are do. they're <laughs> kind of cute over there yeah you know and, and
1: in the, the first grade we didn't have cordless phones we had the long 25 oh. foot coiling <laughs> oh, yeah, phone cord right. and so i'd go hide in my my bedroom with right. this cable was running oh. down the hallway you guys remember those days? oh
0: and well i had there were, i don't there were there were eight of us <laughs> So you can imagine in our family there were eight of us everybody trying to get uh, Well car. and the older ones are trying to get on the phone to talk to a boy or a girl depending on the the gender and, and the others are trying to listen in oh it was, <laughs> it was awful just horrible so anyway I okay well I'm glad you guys are still on good terms yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that made friends. me laugh <laughs> that was that was great well, I have other questions uh, for real here you started out talking and we're again um, great sermon not a lot of verses covered <laughs> again. We, got, we get to the end of uh, Genesis 2. Well, we still haven't even gotten, I guess next week we get into the sin Next week, up, yeah, right? we get into the fall of man. So we get, we get on, on your past sermon, we, we get uh, the creation of, of woman in Eve. And before that, you were talking about uh, naming all the animals. Yeah. And my first thought was, is there a way to know how does Adam have a vocabulary at all? How does he have names? Who is, besides God, I guess it's God, how does he have words to speak?
1: I. It's a great question, and I have to think that we, we talked, I believe, last week about when God created Adam. He created him fully formed, right? He created Adam with, with you know, uh, full attributes, and, and this is a Genesis 2 world. Sin hasn't entered the world yet, so my, my imagination would be that Adam is at this point very, very capable mentally. And so I think God, Imagine Adam is the first Albert Einstein, right? He's the very the very first guy, just really sharp, really 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 quick, mm-hmm. and really bright. And so God brings these animals to him. Adam has been gifted with the ability to have dominion over them, mm-hmm. and so in that gifting, he's able to name them. Now you can have some fun with this, and you know Adam could have looked at a, a you know a cheetah and called it Spot or, or whatever it could have been. But I do think that Adam had the ability, the God given ability and skill set to to name those animals. So I think that was a gift that God had given Adam intellectually to be able to name that many animals. Do
0: you have a thought, Darren, on where he gets a vocabulary?
2: Yeah, I I, I struggle to answer those kind of questions because they're not that important to me. It's all speculation. Yeah, it's it's not the point of the passage. And Mm -hmm. so I I tend to say, well, (laughs) it doesn't matter. But I know that's frustrating sometimes, so I should probably come up with some answer. Like <laughs> <laughs> so he, he has to
0: name all the animals. And you made the point that maybe it was that time, I guess maybe the importance to, to go to Darren's side here, the, the importance to this really is you alluded to maybe Adam going, hey, there's a male and a female of each of these animals. Well, what's the deal
1: with this? I think God often has dual purposes in our work and in what we do. So one of the purposes that God had was for Adam to name all these animals. God could have given Adam a binder with all the names. This is a zebra. This is a rhino, but he gives Adam the job of naming them. And I believe he does that because it gives Adam ownership over his creation. You know, when you have the ability to, to create something in, 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 or to, to name something, it gives you ownership. You now have skin in the game. Mm. And so now Adam's job is to cultivate the garden. We saw that earlier in chapter 2 and have dominion over, over the world, right, over, over God's creation. By him giving Adam the job of naming these animals, Adam now has ownership, right? It's all This all matters to Adam. But I think there's a dual purpose in there, too, is he's helping Adam to see that God creates everything perfectly, God creates animals, birds, little caterpillars, and all these things. But when he looks at the animals that were given the blessing to be fruitful and multiply, they all have a pair. They all have, they all have that perfect complement, right? Horses, you know, male and female. Donkeys, male and female. Go down the line. And so the dual purpose is Adam's taking ownership over God's creation and being able to have dominion over it. But also God is helping Adam see that something is missing, that Adam doesn't have that companion like he sees in the animal kingdom. So, I
2: where are you getting that companionship from? Because in nineteen and twenty, I don't see that there's a male and female in in that passage. At this yeah. point, there's just Adam. He brings the animals by, and and it doesn't mention companionship. Yeah. So what I'm
1: female. what I'm pulling that from is the. Um, this idea of what God is saying in verse 18, that it's not good that man should be alone. I need to make a helper fit for him. And so looking at that definition of helper, it isn't someone who's inferior, but it is this concept of, of companionship or this concept of someone who is going to be walking alongside. There's a, a commentary I'm using for this series is by Umberto Casuto. Um, and and I, I love this quote. If I could read it for you, it's a little long, so bear with me. But here's what he says. He says When when the man would inspect all the species of animals in turn, and would find that some of them were indeed suited to serve him and help him to some extent, but yet there was not one among them that was his like, he would become conscious of his loneliness and would yearn for one who could be his life companion and a helper fit for his soulmate. And so he's using that that, that Hebrew word as their Connecto. I'm sure, Darren, you can dive into that a little more on us. And he talks about he he's, has not found a helper fit to be his soulmate in the full sense of the word. And in consequence, he would be ready to appreciate and cherish the gift that the Lord God was to give him. And so I, I thought that was a really good idea of this those two Hebrew words, bringing them together, that it, when, when it's the word helper, it, it's, it's more than just someone to, to assist you. It's this idea of, of companionship, even soulmate. To, to that perspective.
2: Yeah, so the, the whole phrase, a uh, helper suitable for him in the Hebrew, as Drew just said, is air a uh, is um, when, 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 when is is used in, in the most of the Bible, it's talking about God. God is definitely not inferior to humanity. So God helps us. And this is the way that this woman is going to help the man to fulfill, to fulfill his mission. Um, and, and then it becomes their mission. Um, and the, the word behind suitable for him, um, is, is this word, let me go look at it, uh, it's neged, which has, um, its main sense is opposite or corresponding to. There's a verse where it's used, Ezekiel 40, 23, uh, which, uh, I, uh Ezekiel is seeing this vision of a, of a, of a new temple, and, uh, there's a, um, someone, I think it's the son of man or some kind of heavenly, heavenly, heavenly being is measuring it, and he says, um, in Ezekiel 40:23, he measured from one gate to the opposite one. So from one gate to the opposite. That opposite is this word "nagid." And so in this passage, I really like a translation that tends more towards um, a counterpart. So a helper suitable for him. I think a better way, because that's really been abused by a lot of people to try and make women yes. subordinate, yeah. and, and instead of saying a helper suitable for him, someone to help Adam to be his assistant. No, that's not what this is. It's, it's a counterpart, someone equal to his opposite to fill those things that he cannot do, and so it, it's an equal partnership between the, the man and the woman here.
1: And I shared a Tim Keller quote about the definition of marriage. And I, what I love, and I think, Darren, you know, you can speak into this, is God sets this up where he, he's saying that exact thing. I do not find someone who's suitable to be the complement to mm-hmm. Adam. Adam has now seen all these animals, zebra, male and female. They have the complement to each other. Adam doesn't have a complement. He's helping Adam see this. And then when God does create Eve, and now you have, you know, Adam... Adam saying, oh, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, right? And then they the two become one flesh as they get married. It's this beautiful picture of the, the your complement, right? And so this complementary nature of male and female coming together as one, as, as oneness. But he sets it up all the way back in verse 18. Um, I think with this idea that, you know, Adam now sees, well, first God tells him it's not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. Adam now sees after naming all the animals that he does not have that opposite or that companion or that soulmate that he sees in the animal kingdom. And I think that is one of the the things that Casuto brings out, that God used that dual purpose of naming the animals to recognize that Adam had a need and something was missing.
0: Let's get into the nitty-gritty of the actual creation of Eve. And and you alluded to this in the sermon about the rib. He said, all right, we'll talk about this in the podcast. A so, little uh, teaser. Yes, I like it. I love it. So why do you think God did it this way? The way he created Adam was through the dust, breathed life into Adam. Why was it done differently? What is the point of what was done with the rib?
1: I think when you look at the way that creation was done with Adam earlier in Genesis chapter 2, God forms Adam from the dust, breathes life into his, into his lungs then you see in verse 19 and 20 that God is going to create animals and bring them to Adam. And I kind of joked, like, are we asking when did God make Adam first? Because we thought in day five and six, God made the animals first. And I think God isn't telling us when. He's now transitioning to tell us how he made the animals. And so he made them from the dust, just like he did Adam. And so Interestingly, though, when he makes Eve, he makes Eve from Adam. So he doesn't go back to the dust. He goes and he actually makes Eve from Adam, takes a rib from Adam. I'll let Darren have some fun with this in a second. From Adam and creates Eve. And I think what God is showing us is, the um, again, that complementary nature that, that, that man and women are, are one. And that's why marriage is this beautiful picture of oneness, because we, we are um, made from the same. You know, God didn't make Eve over here and make Adam over here. And they just happened to find each other and they liked each other. God made Eve from Adam, which is identifying uh, this intimate relationship. And I think it drives that concept of like true companionship.
2: Yeah. So as far as the rib goes, um, I believe that the first time, you know, this was really translated what was the King James Bible. That was the, the biggest English translation at the time and um the word elah here for rib uh usually in other places in fact i might be so bold as to say every other place um, there are 41 occurrences it's almost always translated as side so there's only two occurrences here at the beginning in verse twenty-one, twenty-two, where it says the rib god takes the rib everywhere else it it does mean side um and so I'm really intrigued by this mm-hmm. like so so what are the implications of that not meaning a rib like so it's not this little piece of the man um, by the way, women and men have the same amount of ribs. So that's a that's a, a, a wives' tale. Yes, <laughs> it is a wives' tale. Right. Just yeah, right. stop that. Um, <laughs> look it up for yourself, please. Avoid um, that. I,
0: I. Isn't that funny? How I, I believed that my whole
2: life until you just said that. No. Nope. <laughs> it's one
1: of those things. That, well, the Bible says. Well, we need to learn, learn to read the Bible. <laughs> it Doesn't say that. It, yeah.
2: And even so, like it, their sons would have been born with the same amount of ribs. If like Adam might have been missing one, who knows? But it's not the point. Is I don't think it's rib. I think right. it's side. So, this gets into a discussion of okay, when does this word Adam start to be translated as a personal being instead of more of the representative? Cuz in in chapter 1, it's definitely more of the representative. Yeah. Yeah. And so, well, when does that happen in in 2 verse 4, 5 and 6? Um and and when does that happen because if um if if it's a person and then you you take the rib out of this person and you create a second person the woman um then yeah that person might have one less rib but if if it's the side and it's more of a representative if you take a side of a human what if you like took part of that person as drew said in a sermon you just took part of of the adam the human and then you created another human from the part of the human and now you have two humans you you have a you have a man Adam and you have the woman or you have Ish and Isha you have man and woman um, and it's really nice later on that that Hebrew phrase Ish and Isha is conserved in our English word for man and woman so man is included in in the woman just like the Ish is included in Isha the same letters are there so it, it's kind of a fun thing that that stays in our English language so I'm really intrigued by this this thing of like splitting the human in half in creating man and woman. The man was already there. Adam, Ish was already there. Um, But, but he then from out out of,
1: I think there's imagery. God wants us to take away. Mm -hmm. God could have used anything, right? I mean, he created Adam from dirt, right? From the dirt of the ground, from stardust. He could have created Eve from uh, the brain or the eye or the ear or or anything, but he Mm -hmm. chose to, to say side, which, like Darren says, you know, out of 41 times, it's only used twice the mean rib, and that's right here. Everything else is, is side. Mm-hmm. And so there's an imagery that God wants us to take away. So let me look at Kasuto again, because I think he, he hits this right. This really helped me kind of shape what I talked about yesterday. He said this, Just as the rib is found at the side of the man and is attached to him, even so the good wife, the rib of her husband, stands at his side to be his helper counterpart, and her soul is bound up with his. And so Casuto says that this picture of the rib or of the side is just, is demonstrating how husband and wife are to be side to side, that, that life is meant for them to be, um, complementary opposites together, but they're connected side to side. And so I think when God says side and rib, he's just presenting this, this imagery to us that, that as men, our wives are, are next to us. They are on our side. They are equal with us. They're not standing behind us. They're not trailing behind us, pulling the wagon with little ones. I mean, they are <laughs> ne- next to uh, us. Cooking and cleaning. Cool. <laughs> uh,
2: but but, but I'll, I'll say the same for, for women, like we're three dudes. And so we don't sometimes have a female perspective, but for women, your husband is the same. He's there side by side with you Right. doing life. We talk about that because we're just men in this room, but it, it's also the, the equal thing for for women too that your husbands are right there side by side
1: and imagine you're an ancient in an ancient Near East reader I know we keep bringing it back to context but this would have blown their mind because they would have understood this they came from a culture that women had their place right, right? women were for childbearing mm-hmm. and uh, women were for the home and God right there is elevating women to the level of man in value in God's eyes and saying that Eve was made from Adam. Eve is made from Adam's side. They are side by side now in an importance. And and then he goes on in the marriage picture and says, you leave your family, right? Mm-hmm. Not disown your family, but you move out of your dad and mom's house. And now you and your wife start your own family. In ancient Near East culture, that would have blown their minds because it was all about the, the guy because he was the one that could work and he was the one that could hold position in culture. And so God is elevating from day one. God is saying, my plan for the world is for man and woman to walk side by side. And so it's this beautiful picture that I think we, we kind of lose a little bit in context that, right. that really would have stirred up a lot of discussion and, um, in that Hebrew culture at the time
2: yeah because what happened in that culture was that the wife actually left her family and, and joined the man mm-hmm. right? right so it, what actually happened is not what is what is said is good in this phrase and i want to say one more thing about this um i had someone come up and, and talk to me who comes to my bible study on thursday nights and and she she was reading this and she discovered in 24 that wait there are no parents yet It's just Adam and Eve. It's just the woman and and the man. And so who in the world is this talking to in verse 24? That is why a man leaves his father and mother and he's united to his wife and they become one flesh. Like there's no father and mothers. Yeah. So who in the world is this? It's so good. And it's like, yes, this is one of those editorial comments Mm -hmm. that people later who are reading this, that's for them. Mm -hmm. That may have not been part of this original narrative, but that's Mm -hmm. like one of them, one of the... The the things to draw out of, of this sentence, and that's that's not part of the original story. That's something for us to read and imagine an, an ancient Israelite hearing this and like, hey, this is for you. This is what you, one thing you're supposed to learn from this. And she noticed Adam. Yes, so we're think reading the Bible closely.
1: That's a great comment, Dan. I love that. Think of this. Think of when you read when you read scripture, descriptive verse, prescriptive verses. Right. A descriptive verse would be like God created Adam from the dust of the ground. A prescriptive verse would be verse 24 man and uh, leaves his mother and his father and is, is united to his wife and they become one flesh so god is prescribing what's best for us and how we should live not just describing what happened and so i think that's perfect you're right there's no mom and dad adam jumps, right you know yeah. it's just it's adam and he's saying but this is what needs to happen because darren is right think of the story of joseph and mary Right? Hmm. So Mary is betrothed to Joseph. In that culture, Mary would have moved in with Joseph in his father's house. Right. And they would have lived in their father's house. And in those, and, and in that culture, it was very communal, right? And so you had grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, husband, wife, kids. And so God is saying, actually, the picture is whatever your living arrangement is, that you and your wife now become one family. You are now one flesh. Hmm. And it would have, as Darren mentioned, been very countercultural to the way that the Hebrews would have grown
0: up. I was thinking, though, when you were talking about just now how there was no father and mother for for Adam to leave and for Eve, I was going, okay, he had Adam asleep. He wakes up, and (laughs) there's this woman that's there, and they're not wearing any clothes. Do you think, does God then... Have the talk with Adam. (laughs) Does does he go? All right. I want you to be
2: fruitful and multiply.
1: Here's how it gets.
0: Here's how it gets.
2: (laughs) We like to make a lot of jokes about nakedness, but there is something more intentional there behind it. Do you want me to talk about it? Yeah, jump in. Okay. So if, if if you're naked, imagine like you're standing with someone with no clothes and you're not ashamed. Like that'd be a pretty bold. Thing to do, we're probably not going to do that. I encourage you to not do that. But <laughs> next um, Sunday, we want everyone no, to no, no, come no. to church. <laughs> okay. We missed it. Yesterday was
1: Valentine's Day. Sunday. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um.
2: So anyway, the, this nakedness is a representation of you are everything about yourself is fully open. You, mm-hmm. Like Adam and Eve, the the woman and and the man knew each other completely. Everything about them was exposed to each other exposed right everything about their personality their body their physical emotional all the stuff their spirituality and in the same way with god and then the key is that they felt no shame right. so drew stop me if you want me <laughs> to to stop before i get into the next verse
1: well just really quickly he stop, I he think stopped me i stopped you okay? <laughs> i stopped you and, 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 and don't let me run on your parade because you may talk about this but there is the prescriptive nature of marriage that god wants to convey in that it's the, the husband and the wife, Adam and Eve were naked. They felt no shame. Now, this is pre-sin, right? This is Genesis 2, not Genesis 3. Right. You immediately, Darren's going to get to that. But at this point in time, what God is showing us is that in that marriage relationship, you should have total access and total vulnerability. You should be willing to bear your heart, your soul, your nakedness all together, right? Because there's an intimate relationship, which includes the the sexual relationship that God created which is good right God has said that you know what he created mankind it was good so sex is good and and so there is this picture of of intimacy that includes sex but not just that I think it's the vulnerability of of mind soul and spirit um, emotionally relationally spiritually that we see gets corrupted in the next verse
2: yeah I, I think with, with this sense of of. Especially in a marriage relationship, that can happen. You have physical nakedness too, of course, but emotional and spiritual nakedness and and um, a complete open exposure can happen with with many people as well. You can happen with your best friend. Guys can can have a, a great friend that they can bear their soul to, and we and need that. We're yeah, created to. We that. Need that. And, and and a woman can also bear her soul to a woman, and they can be very close. Um, and and even people in marriage relationships need like dudes need dude friends girls need need girlfriends um and and so what what happens in that moment is that we we don't just have to keep that within a marriage relationship we can have uh, extra extra marital relationships that don't include physical nakedness of course but this is that that emotional thing so um the the word behind nakedness I'm always going back to the Hebrew cuz it's so fun is arumim so uh, a, say that three times fast. <laughs> our our room meme, and then in the very next verse, and this is where Drew is going to stop me if you didn't want to say, it says now the serpent or the nachash was more a room than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. So it's it it completely like. uh, seals these these stories together that the the Ish and the Isha the man and the woman were both and they felt no shame but here's this other animal this snake, the serpent who is more a room than any other beast of the field so hang on, something's the the tension is rising. That's coming next week next sermon
0: well, we got to talk about the marriage part of things and we, we can go in several different directions here, I uh, I want to. I think we're going to run out of time, but I want to talk about why marriage, maybe we'll do this next week, why marriage is so important to God here on earth, yet there's not going to be marriage in heaven, right? Right. And I don't know whether that's because you're not making more kids. I don't know. Maybe we can explore that down the road. But um, you spent a lot of time in your sermon on Sunday talking about why marriage is so important. But I I thought that was interesting when you said, why would God have this be so important when marriage is so hard? And when you said, because women are crazy, I didn't know if that was (laughs) the reason. No, I'm just kidding, of course. Because guys are clueless, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. But but you really felt in your sermon it was important to spend a lot of time talking about the importance of marriage.
1: I think... It is a really important thing in that God spends quite a bit of time setting it up in Genesis 2. Again, he's showing us the puzzle, how, how it should be put together. Genesis 3 takes that puzzle, crumples them all together, throws them in the blender, and now we have to try to put it back together, which we can't without Jesus. And um, so God talks a lot about marriage in Genesis 2 because I think he's showing us this is the, the he's filling in the color on the the blessing that God gives mankind in Genesis chapter one. So God says, "Be fruitful and multiply." Well, how do we be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion over the earth? Well, the picture is marriage. It's it's the family unit, right? Where where husband and wife have kids. That's how they're fruitful, and then they multiply. But another way to have de- dominion over creation, in the way that God brings order, is through the family. So the family is the discipleship unit. The family is where kids learn what life's all about. The family is where kids learn how to work. The family is, you know, all that starts there. And so this like dominion idea of being able to have ownership over God's creation, we have to learn how to do it somewhere and it begins with the family. So I think God is prescribing his plan for humanity and what's interesting now, if you look around our world and you look at cultures where the family has broken down and you look at subcultures where um, you have... Well, we, you know, right now we, we're talking about in Finland right now, you know, the, the Bible's on trial and you see in, in um, uh, Scandinavian cultures that that marriage rates are just declining fast, yeah. right? Well, what is happening there is you're seeing less kids are being born. You're seeing just the culture, the fabric of culture change. And so there is this corresponding element when family is strong, that culture is, is flourishing when family and the view of marriage declines culture declines. And so I think it goes back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that quote by H.H. H. Farmer, where he says, if you go against the grain of the universe, you're going to get splinters. And when we decide that our plan for marriage is better than God's, we're going to get splinters. And I think that's one of the reasons why marriage is so hard and, and struggle. And we have so many struggles is because we have, we have allowed our misconceptions of what marriage is living in a Genesis three world impose on what God's view of marriage was from Genesis chapter two.
2: Yeah, when, when and, and that happens with a lot of things. Like, um, when when like a family unit breaks down, and and I see this in education too. Like kids who who come from from a home where mom and dad are both there, they they have a better chance of things. And and it's not that someone else can't. Um, it's not that that a, a kid with a, with single mom at home or living with their dad can't. It's it's just I, I've seen the relationships when parents go through divorce. Something happens inside that that kid's heart and inside that kid's soul. That that just isn't the best for them. Um, however, relationships are broken. So I, I know some of you out, out there are listening to this are parents, and you've experienced that change in your kid, and that's really unfortunate. and And we want to walk through that with you. We're not sitting up here, you know, condemning anything, but we, we recognize that it's hard, um, and and that relationships just just break apart in this sinful world. And yet, we still want to try to do our best to preserve what we can. And it's not just.
0: Living together, because I, I, I talk about the Scandinavian countries, and I know uh, I've dealt a lot with people from Canada and other countries in, in a job that I had, and the marriage there was not. They felt there was nothing wrong with just living together, and they would have a, quote unquote a family, but not be married. How important is it to, from God, because they didn't have lawyers back there, and you weren't signing marriage certificates, so. What's the difference?
1: It's a great question. Let's be honest. We live in a in a broken world, right? So relationships are hard, as Darren just mentioned, and people listening to this podcast are going to be on this. There's a wide range of, of different experiences with marriage, right? And so, you know, we're not we're not saying that any of this is easy. It's all difficult, especially when you're dealing with another person. It's just a difficult relationship. But I think it gets back to what God says is best for us and God's pattern. So. Can you have a, a great relationship with someone if you're not married? You can, right? I, I think you can. And, and and are there examples of families where maybe mom and dad never officially got married, but raised their kids and everybody grew up and was able to, to have good lives? I think there's plenty of examples of that. But I do think there's a level of, of commitment that God wants us to make towards one another. This oneness it is you see that really clearly pictured in verse 24, they shall become one flesh, right? That idea of oneness. And, and so when you commit to marriage, there's a oneness that takes place. Mm-hmm. It's no longer me, but we. And I think that's God's pattern for us in life. It's like, this, this is a really bad example, but it's like this. Can you live to be 100 years old if you only eat Chinese buffet every day for lunch, or you eat queso and chips every <laughs> How meal. about for you if you had
0: ribs and barbecue yeah, every day? if you eat barbecue ribs, can you live to be 100? You can. <laughs> would your
1: chances of living two hundred be better if you ate right. really healthy, no antibiotic-grown chicken mm-hmm. and a salad every day? Absolutely. Which one's better for you? Eating healthier, right? And so I think the idea of, with marriage, is a bad example, I know, but with marriage, God's plan for us to flourish is to be one with our spouse because the chances of us being able to follow God's plan are going to be higher there. Can we succeed the other way? I think there are examples that you can, but God would say, that's not my prescriptive plan for your life.
2: Uh, Disclaimer, no chicken you've ever eaten in your life has had antibiotics. I'm a farmer, so I need to say that. Okay. That's been a law. It like you, you can't have ever had antibiotics in your chicken that went to the slaughterhouse. Wow. Just, th- they started two things today. <laughs> they, it, no they started advertising it. And now all of a sudden society thinks that farmers are horrible. Not true. Uh, oh. I'm a, I used
1: Boy, to I love, learning. Right. okay. So... I have the same
0: amount of ribs as a woman <laughs> and, <laughs>
1: and there's no antibiotics. Every bit of chicken wow. just as healthy for you. This is what what a advertising. podcast we have here. <laughs> okay. It's not just about learning <laughs> the Bible.
2: <laughs> I, I, I want to say one more thing, um, <laughs> about, about the single. So we're talking a lot about marriage and a lot about relationships. Um, and Drew mentioned this too. Jesus and Paul were single, right? And so, being single—if if, if you are out there and you're single and you're fine with it—do not hear us say that you need to go out and find a spouse. Absolutely, because you can fulfill God's mission of of ruling and having dominion on this world on your own. Because I know that there are people in our church who are single and have chosen to be single, and that's awesome. You can do it's a, a beautiful lot of cool thing. things. Yeah. So so don't don't hear us say that you if if you're single you're missing something. You're not. You can have a relationship with your creator just the same, same as I can. My spouse does not complete me, and, and only Jesus th- completes us. Yes, <laughs> I thought that was Tom Cruise yeah. in the in the movie.
1: <laughs> it is true, me. and I'm glad right. you said that, Darren. I think that's really yeah. imp- and a really important thing to be said. You right. know, and in, and in for people who have lost loved ones, and people who have been through a difficult divorce, and say, "Hey, I don't want to. I don't want to experience that again." I think what you can, you can see unfold in God's picture of marriage is that we are designed for companionship and relationship. Mm-hmm. And while that can, in God's in God's perfect world, is executed perfectly in marriage, in a Genesis 3 world, we know that's difficult, right? Mm-hmm. And so the only one to perfectly um, complete us is Jesus. Right. And so that's whether you're single, divorced, or currently married. And Paul says that, there actually is the gift of singleness because in singleness, you can pursue Jesus with a full heart. Right. And so depending upon on where you are in life, God is with you. God is, is loves you, and God's and God is going to be guiding you. Um, so, so yeah, please don't take a misconception that, that we're saying that there's no. only—you you know it, you have to fit into this little box. But I think it is important that we look back and see that the way God created the world to work was deep, intimate companionship. Right you can find elements of that in friendships and, and community groups, but ultimately in a in a broken world, it's Jesus that completes us.
0: But where it gets a little tricky is, I, maybe this was just my uh, Baptist mother saying, better to marry than to burn, meaning... If you want to be intimate, you better get married. So now you start getting into some tricky yeah. areas there. Paul so. says that. He, he does. Mean, if right. If you, That's yeah. where her mom it, got it. He's talking
2: specifically <laughs> to, to males in, yeah. in yeah. one of his letters, like, hey, right. if you can't control yourself, get married. You need to get right. married. Yeah, because it's not co- that marriage fixes your lust. Right. But, right.
1: but but it but it it creates God's plan for for intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can go way off the deep end. Yes. So, yep. so guard your heart. <laughs> you your heart in that situation. Oh, what a podcast today! This is, I know we covered <laughs> some stuff. This has been
0: good, really good, guys, and boy, I can't wait for next
1: week. You get oh it, man, we, talking we get into s- sin, talking <laughs> snakes, and, yeah. and was it an apple or was it a mango or what, what was that fruit? Avocado. Oh, avocado am I going to learn something? It wasn't an apple.
0: Oh, <laughs> if Darren says it's not an apple, I'm, I'm going gonna... to go read, go read, <laughs> just, read it. just read it,
2: just read it. It says it. It says, says what
0: it know. is. <laughs> it's a, it's a I v- learned something every week for you guys thank you so much for for everything (laughs) you guys do but so next week's make sure Whether you come to Forefront Church at Harvey Park next week, ten o'clock service, or watch online, Uh, it's going to be really—it's good every week. But I think next week really sets up
1: quick teaser. If you miss next week, you're going to not understand anything that comes after this for the next year. So tune in next week,
0: or else yeah, or else don't even tune in the rest of the the rest of the year. (laughs) No, (laughs) you can tune in. Yeah, I know. Just go back and listen. (laughs) That's right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Pastor Darren. Thanks, thanks, Pastor Drew. Thanks, Uh, everybody. Have a great week. We look forward to uh, the sermon coming next Sunday and next week's podcast. I'm Mike Keynes. Thanks very much for listening this week. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Ends of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.